Super Talk Mississippi media production. Fordofcorinth.com is having a 2023 inventory blowout sale. Check out all of last year's models in the lot, which must be moved. Bring your enthusiasm and your down payment. Let our team of finance professionals remove the test so you can just drive off our lot. Fordofcorinth.com. What is up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, April 6th. I got the date right. I'm feeling positive today. Uh, edition of the Rubble Report podcast. I uh, hope everyone had a safe weekend. I imagine it was fairly uneventful. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot. I played golf all day Saturday to the tune of 36 holes and then really didn't leave my house at all Sunday. What's up? Not a whole lot, man. Just a ton of yard work and a bunch of isolation. Or- yeah, I, maybe it's just me, uh, uh, a big buzzword here, uh, having false hope. But it seems like there was a little bit of like, li- you can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel after this weekend. We'll get into that. We've got a... Yeah, a man. Some models came out today that are not just completely, we're all going to die. It's the end of the world. And I, I mean... I don't know how some people are going to handle themselves. The president of the United States had a conference call that we'll get to with the major sports league commissioners that really didn't offer a ton of specifics, but kind of gave, uh, I guess, light into what he and the uh, White House uh, apolitical statement here are thinking as far as uh, a timeline for getting things back to normal. I don't know. Could be full of shit. Could be completely accurate. I have no clue. Uh, But we've got that. Uh, Ole Miss landed a grad transfer. Uh, Domencio Vaughn from Ryder, a kid that uh, grew up, not grew up in Jackson, but played high school basketball in Jackson. We'll get into that. Uh, The Korean Baseball League is restarting. The PGA Tour has announced a tentative schedule that looks at a mid-June restart now that the Open has been canceled. But uh, a lot to go on the show rundown. So I've actually been like writing down uh, like show topics in order. I've been using this software called Microsoft Word. And I typed them out. Wow, look at you. Yeah. So uh, if you want to download that, it's probably only available on the black market, but probably be in the United States in a couple of years, but really helpful in planning the show. Um, anyway, so we're, I guess we'll start with the Ole Miss news. Why not? Ole Miss, Kermit Davis lands grad transfer from writer Domencio Vaughn averaged like, I think, a little shade under 15 points a game, around six, seven rebounds a game last year at Ryder. Uh, in the Mac, which is uh, a Mac with two A's. And um, just, uh, I, I imagine they'll land one more of these. I, I think they'll go one more in the transfer market if they can keep Shuler and then bring in Matthew Morell, and that'll be your class for next year. But a kid that played high school basketball in Jackson, Mississippi at Callaway, did a prep school year, got to Ryder, tore his ACL, uh, played pretty well the last two years, I believe, was first team all Mac as a redshirt freshman, uh, but six foot five rangy wing rebounds uh scores pretty well shoots a shade under 40 percent i think he's at like 39.3 percent from three um i texted a couple people and like one of them i got back was like a kind of a luis rodriguez comparison in terms of like toughness and willing to defend and rebound but probably and this may not be completely fair to Luis just because we haven't seen a ton of him uh probably a bit better more polished scorer and shooter but kind of fits that six four to six seven six eight kind of wing lanky range uh that kermit davis uh seems to like the kj buffin blake henson type range where he'd like you know four or five of those or four of those and a guard out there but kind of fits that three and d profile that the entire uh i say three and d i have no idea if this kid's a three and d kid but you get what i'm saying that wing range that's kind of interchangeable can play probably play anywhere from two to four if i had to guess that might be a stretch but anyway um kind of a prototypical kermit davis recruit to this point but uh i think this is a big land for Ole miss because the guys that cover Ole miss or excuse me cover college basketball nationally had him pegged as one of the top grad transfers but uh definitely good news for kermit davis i don't really know how you could spin it any 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 other way for sure and to be honest with you the next rider basketball game i watch will be the first one so i'm just going to take into consideration what i was able to read about the kid they're the bronx not the broncos by the way just the bronx (laughs) um it sounds like he's not going to be like the greatest athlete on the floor but he's going to be based on what i read of course so i'm taking somebody else's thoughts and making them my own um 
a guy that that team severely missed last year uh, who will get dirty and fight for difficult rebounds and loose balls and stuff like that. Like, he just kind of plays like a dog. Uh, so he won't be the best athlete on the floor, but he will outwork a ton of people, and that team had a serious problem with that last year. Yeah, you probably just hit on uh, uh, what this is. This is another thread in the fabric that Kermit Davis is trying to to weave here in the sense that there were multiple times last season, particularly when the team was hitting probably its worst stretch of play through the year, that late December uh, to mid-January stretch, where Kermit either went out of his way or got asked about how this team doesn't really fit a typical Kermit Davis team in terms of like, toughness and how they react to adverse situations and he would just pretty much bluntly I mean I remember on two occasions bluntly say like yeah doesn't fit him at all he after the state game how at the end of the regular season he was like yeah everywhere I've been we've been good road teams good tough disciplined teams this team's not it that was just kind of the end of his statement so like this is when you talk about the toughness and 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 all of that 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 was lacking and maybe leadership such a strange word but like kind of the toughness alpha male type type personality that this team didn't really have. I guess hard nose is the buzzword I'm looking for. Uh, this kid seems to solve that, at least from the uh, from the information I've been able to gather on him so far. Uh, right-handed kid, shoots a pretty good three-point shot. I had it pulled up a second ago. I would be interested to see how many he ta- actually takes a game. But, yeah, I think it, it's kind of that Luis Rodriguez mold um, in terms of just toughness and willing to defend and rebound, which – they didn't exactly have a bunch of that last year. So, no, uh, and I, they, mean, I mean, they had some up. sizes, just guys that were seemingly unwilling to do it. So, yeah, pretty much. And then I, I think, I think the absence of Luis Rodriguez hurt this team uh, more than they maybe wanted to lead on or admit when it happened. Uh, obviously, Luis not a complete game changer, but I, I think they certainly missed him a year ago. And so, anyway, as far as what they do after this, like I said, if Chewer decides to come back, which, and I'm not, I'm just completely guessing here. I would think that's the case. He'll probably explore some other options. But if Chewer comes back, I imagine they'll add one more transfer, and that'll be kind of what, I mean, because if you're talking about in a sheer numbers perspective, uh, the puzzle pieces would fit. You'd have Joyner for Tyree, the two process kids, Curry and Miller would be the two transfers. And then, what, what am I missing here? What's not adding up? I just said the puzzle pieces fit. I'm trying to count the scholarship deals. Um, well, they had, what, two transfer. Tyree's gone. Right, so that's three. I guess there would have been DB. Well, maybe they won't add another transfer. I just figured they might. They would probably add one more. Well, they. Then, I mean, they very well could process another one or two. Yeah, that is, even. That is also true. But anyway, that would. Uh, that's what I would imagine they would probably do. And then this is the kind of team they'll roll with into 2020-2021. If we have a season at that point, I'd just like to throw that out there so I cover all my bases. Uh, but anyway, I think this is a good pickup for Ole Miss. I watched a little bit of, I don't even know if you call it tape. It's more of like highlight type stuff of the kid on YouTube. A pretty polished score, mature kid. I think he, what, he's 22 at this point. Uh, the grad transfer market has kind of greatly changed the complexion of uh, of teams particularly contending teams in college basketball in the last you know three four years or so and it will be interesting to kind of see how this kid makes an impact on next year's team but yeah i mean this is a good pickup for old miss 65 to 20 uh you know familiar with it obviously familiar with old miss having played in uh played at callaway and jackson sorry i was trying to figure out uh how many threes he took per game and i've basically been distracted since he doesn't take very many he takes about two to four a game like I think the most he's made in a game in his career uh is three and I think appears to be last season the most he took in a game was five so he's the antithesis of Blake Henson he's a guy that shoots at a good uh percentage but doesn't take too many shots it's like and is willing to drive yeah and is willing to go to the rim and drive the basketball to the rim without Kermit Davis having to scream it at him until the first media timeout (laughs) take him out put him back in and then maybe he'll drive once before taking two (laughs) top of the key threes with 27 seconds to go in the shot clock so yeah maybe a little bit of an antithesis of Blake Henson his minutes per game are interesting just because he kind of ranges anywhere from like 28 to 38 he plays a lot I imagine some of this is foul trouble among other things kind of hard to uh, look at it just through a box score Uh, 67% free throw shooter not great but 
Six and a half rebounds a game, 14.8 points per game last year. This kid will definitely be an impact grad transfer for Ole Miss. So interesting to see what they do going forward. Maybe they add one more. Maybe they don't. Maybe I was just uh, guessing completely wrong. But anyway, this is a good pickup for Ole Miss. Mature kid. It'll be interesting to see um, kind of how he impacts the team next year and where he's slotted and what kind of role he plays. But anyway. I would love to know how – they're, they're going about it. And maybe they'll give us these kind of answers when it's over. I mean, once the roster's complete and probably after we get back to normal. But I would love to ha- sit down with Kermit Davis and be like, how did you do this? Because you couldn't bring him to campus. You couldn't go see him or his family or go to one of his games. How do you recruit a graduate transfer that – well, this guy's probably been to Oxford you would think right he's from Jackson so maybe he's ventured up there but even if not how do you recruit graduate transfers when they can't visit your campus or you can't go see them how do you do it so and this is just a guess I haven't talked to anyone about this but I imagine the grad transfer market in college basketball is a little different because he's it's a one to play one type of thing most of the time I guess it's a it's some guys may have two years but most of the time it's one so I would think like that's not as important as you're recruiting a kid that's going to be there two to three years. So at that point, you're just kind of making a basketball decision because grad transfers don't transfer to sit. They sit. They transfer to go be uh, to be a contributor or a starter somewhere um, on preferably a probably a pretty good team, pretty good roster. So I imagine this was more about him and how he fits than anything else because if you think about it, he'll be on you know he'll be there on campus for nine, ten months total. I mean, if Ole Miss were on the North Pole and Kermit Davis said he could play, come play the three for a team that probably a pretty decent SEC team next year, he'd probably stick it out in an igloo for ten months, wouldn't you think? I mean, that's a little extreme, but you kind of get my <laughs> point. I imagine with grad transfers yeah. versus high school kids, it's a little easier during this time. But your point is a good one. Like, I, even, even though if it's a little easier for a kid like this to be like, hey, come play here for a year – like, what's the communication process? Like, I know I can't talk to you in person. I know you can't come see this, but uh, trust me, come uh, come, come yeah. commit here. <laughs> well, uh, either way, I mean, he was able to get it done. Uh, and it, it's interesting with the uh, the fallout from the, the Mike Leach tweet. I don't know if he's going to end up at Ole Miss. I have no idea where he's going to go. But reportedly, uh, Ole Miss has been in contact with Fabian Lovett. So, uh, I saw they- some deal where his dad was maybe kind of keen on that. Man, and I saw – look, I'm not calling his dad a liar. I want that to be known. I I just – I find it hard to – like Occam's razor here. His dad was quoted and said that he had never mentioned transfer until the tweet. And maybe that's true, but, like, I'm surprised by that. Because that, that decision struck me as he wasn't happy to begin with. That was the catalyst for why he left, but he was looking for a reason to go. That would be my guess on it as well. Like, I think you're on to something there, but I mean, how, who knows? What a kind of a strange situation there. Yeah. And I mean, I can't believe that tweet also chased Vic Schaefer off. I mean, just a rough uh, few days up there. <laughs> yeah. That, it's been a, a, a quite the news cycle for Haydad over there the last couple years. You got the Leeds tweet. The kid transfers seemingly over. Maybe he doesn't transfer over. No one seems to actually know anything. And then you have, uh, and then you have Vic Schaefer. That was kind of a. So I was just uh, yesterday. I was doing some laundry, and like just sitting around my house. I think, I think Semi Pro was on the television. And all of a sudden, I look up, and it's a picture that someone had retweeted onto my timeline. And it's the Texas AD. What's his name? Del Conte. And I guess, yeah. It, it was like, look who's coming to whatever one. I'm sure some stupid branding hashtag the school has. And then I was, I did, like, I was looking at the picture and I was like, wait, I don't understand who is this guy because it didn't say the name or anything. And I looked in the left. I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's uh, that state's that state's basketball coach. I was like, that's kind of strange because I figured someone like out of Starkville or whatever would have picked up on it first because you didn't even hear any inkling. Uh, so I, I guess in a global pandemic, it's easier to dart in the dark of the night from one school to another. Um, I guess I don't really know, but it, it seemed to, uh, and I guess we'll talk to Haydad about this this afternoon, but it seemed to just kind of stun everyone. It's kind of like, wait a minute. Whoa. But like the, the, the idea that most people found out because he's doing the little hook em horn sign with the AD, uh, all of a sudden it was, was strange to me. I, I thought that was pretty weird. Yeah. And, uh, didn't tell Cohen until after that tweet came out. 
Oh, yikes. Really? Yeah, not not the classiest exit uh, from there, for sure. Hmm. I mean, that's how everybody found out, man. Like, and look, college sports is just a business. If he'd have had a, a couple of losing seasons in a row, they would have chased his ass out of town so fast. So I understand why, like, you don't – because you don't owe the fans anything. It was a job, right? But still, for them to find out via Texas's AD tweeting a picture of him – holding the hook'em in Austin probably could have gone a different way and absorbed the blow a little bit easier. I don't know. I, again, you don't owe anybody anything. It is just your job. If you'd have lost some games, they'd have fired your ass quickly. But there's probably a better way to do that. Also, you're in the middle of a global pandemic where you can't actually talk to your kids in person or go see anyone in person, although – Obviously, with that picture, they were not practicing social distancing. I saw people uh, on Twitter keenly point that out. Thank you for being so profound and noble that taking a picture and not standing six feet apart is not social distancing. But yeah, I mean, just like, yes, could have handled it better. Like, maybe is the crazy ass times we're living in probably like, like, does he get a pass for that? I don't know. I don't really care. I haven't put that much thought into it. But yeah, definitely kind of an interesting exit. Uh, just and very random as far as the timing. But anyway, yeah, couple, busy couple of days for Haydad over there. I don't pretend to know what this means for state or Texas or women's basketball as a whole. I, I don't have any idea. But uh, well, here's what should happen, and this is going to sound terrible, but whatever. Uh, the fan base needs to reinvest in men's basketball because if nothing else, uh, you can actually make money on it. And they operate at a loss, even though they're they're so invested and in, in they're it's easier for them financially easier on them than it is, say, Old Miss, because they actually have people show up to their games, but they still don't make any money on it. Uh, reinvest in men's basketball and actually help your athletic program make profits. That would be my advice. But nobody asked me. Yeah. I would uh, I would agree with that because that, that has been one of the stranger dynamics in college, or I would say I'm not going to say in college sports in this state so far is the inability for state to kind of consistently support men's basketball while the women, while like very eagerly supporting the women, and I understand that because like the women are national championship type contenders. Something's going on with my phone here. Try that again, uh, but. Yeah, I, it's an interesting dynamic. Will it go back to normal? Like, is this? I guess with the the long way of saying this is this good news for Ben Howland. Um, I, you would hope so. And if, if I were him, I would hope so. Uh, maybe people will realize that it, you know it took a little while, and I understand why people are frustrated and the product on the court isn't matching uh, the talent. But still, it's like, hey, we're winning games. Uh, we made the tournament last year. Please come watch us now. <laughs> I mean, it's—I it, imagine it's really hard to support two college basketball teams in the same town. But it's not like Ben Howland's giving you a bad product, and the the lack of support that he's gotten is pretty mind blowing to me. It's also—it's probably a little bit sometimes kind of the Andy Kennedy syndrome type of thing, to where it's not always the easiest product to watch. That's right, and I think that probably wears on people as well so anyway interesting times there so i wanted to get we'll take a break here real quick but i wanted to get to the pj tour schedule announcement but jason sobel as we were recording this tweeted that uh expect a joint announcement from the pga lpga usga pretty much every governing golf body on the planet and augusta national in about 10 minutes regarding a bunch of concrete dates and still some moving targets as far as a PJ wow. So maybe I'll Dude, wait. So we somebody play. told them this weekend, something, and it will get into the details after, uh, after you uh, pay the bills, but somebody told them something this weekend that makes them confident enough to start planning things. And I don't think it was just the president. I agree. So let's do, let's take a break and then let's get to the, uh, the Trump meeting with commissioners. And then hopefully by then we'll have whatever, the announcement is that Jason Sobel, uh, who's a golf writer at the Action Network, wrote for ESPN for a long time, is talking about. But anyway, I will remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. No better time to support local businesses than during this global pandemic. Greg's got you covered over there. We appreciate him sponsoring 
the show. Uh, he's got steaks, custom cuts. He's still got the Lane Train Keith Carter special, eight and six ounce bacon wrapped fillets. He uh, appears to have some brisket. I'm just scrolling through his Twitter feed, and it's making me incredibly hungry. Ribeye sausage, one of the finer delicacies in life. Greg's got you covered. Burgers, whatever you want. Got some ready-made stuff, uh, ready-made ground beef-based stuff. If you're looking to feed your family uh, on the go and not have to go home and cook, he's got meatloaf. We had that a couple weekends ago. It was fantastic. Uh, But go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Anyway... We have so we had President Donald Trump says NFL season should start on time is the headline I read uh, over the weekend from ESPN. He had a conference call with all the major sports league commissioners on Saturday, which a uh, side note here, uh, like, do we know who all sat in on this call? Because it, that could Every, solve some basically on- everybody except for the NCAA. So a commissioner or a leader from every major professional sports league in this country. Other than the NCAA, for some reason. I was just wondering if he left out like Gary Bettman and we could make fun of hockey for not being considered a major North American sport. I didn't know if there was like a cutoff or something. <laughs> so this went down to like Major League Soccer and stuff. Yeah, let me. I think I saved the list. I hope I did. Let's, uh, let's see if I did. The gist um, of this meeting, though, was that while you're looking that up, Trump says he hopes to ha- have fans back in stadiums and arenas by August and September. Though it is currently unclear if medical experts find that to be a realistic timeline <laughs> amid the coronavirus pandemic. That's not funny. I shouldn't laugh. It's just the constant contradicting. Anyway, Trump said, I want fans back in the arenas. I think it's whenever we're ready, as soon as we can, obviously, and fans want to be back too. They want to see basketball and baseball and football and hockey. They want to see their sports. They want to go out onto golf courses and breathe nice, clean, beautiful, fresh air. Uh, yeah. Uh, last sentence applies to me. I'd like to, to go on a golf course and breathe nice, clean, beautiful, fresh air. So I but can't anyway, find a specific number, but 13 commissioners were there on okay, the call. So this was, this was everyone. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he didn't really give an exact date. I mean, it seems like the gist of this is that he said that he expects the NFL to start on time. He thinks that you can have fans in the stands in August. What does this exactly mean? I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, because in, in the story, who I believe, oh, this was just an ESPN. No, this was Woj and uh, Schefter together. Um, they were citing that they don't know. It is unclear whether medical experts see that as realistic. Um, I, I wonder if this will get asked at one of the briefings. Was there a White House briefing yesterday? I imagine there was. I was just kind of zoned out. If there uh, was, I didn't see what it said. Yeah, I just, I wonder if this will get asked in terms of, like, like if someone asks Fauci, like, you know, did you know, what the president told the sports commissioners is that is that realistic or is it not realistic, uh, whatever. And then Trump also took to Twitter on Saturday evening to rest assured that Little League Baseball would start their season soon. So I don't know. He seems to have some optimism that things in terms of a sports world and kind of getting back to business for that in some form will happen by August at the latest, it sounds like. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen or I believe that, but that sounds like what he's going with. Yeah, and I mean, the PGA Tour is about to uh, release a schedule that has uh, July on it. So I, I I would like to know, and I guess Scheffner and Woj uh, couldn't uh, get it out of anybody, um, if that information, that timeline was presented by somebody other than the president. Not that, uh, I don't mean to get political here, but not that he was being dishonest here, but he's got a history of sensationalizing things. But if the PGA Tour is setting a schedule, that tells me that there's more than just, hey, guys, I hope you start in August, where somebody somewhere said, here are the trends, here are the charts, here's what's happening. By then, you should be good to go. And for whatever it's worth, the original data and charts and stuff are changing dramatically in a good way. So maybe there's some kind of information that these leagues, and especially golf, has received from somebody coinciding with the change in these charts that give them confidence to set these schedules. Because they're smart people that run the PGA Tour, right, that run the Masters. They understand that if they schedule an event, set it up, do everything again, and then cancel it again, 
I mean, it's a killer to them. So they can't do that. If they're going through this, they've been told that they can by somebody who would know. I would agree with that. Like, this isn't just coming out of thin air. Um, so, like, you know, you mentioned the projections and all that changing. I'm not going to pre- like, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at it. I, I, I'm not going to pretend I looked, that I know. But I don't know if it's, like, real or legit or yeah, whatever. Exactly. But I've seen you some links just- in it. You know, that's what. That's what they say. So Right. It seems like it's trending towards there is a little bit of kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's not. But basically the point here is it's not coming out of nowhere. Like this didn't just come out of thin air. Maybe it's optimistic. Maybe it's not. But uh, it seems like there is at least been some good news that have trickled out the last 48 hours and into this morning as well, which is good. So, I mean, I would be so the, the thing, the report I'm looking at, and this is before the official announced it, it would be. The U.S. excuse me, the PGA at Harding Park on August sixth was already saw that they rescheduled that over the weekend, so that's set. It would be a U.S. Open in September. The Ryder Cup still at September twenty fifth, and the Masters pushed to November. Uh, yeah, sign me up for that. I'm cool with that. Wow, man, that no, the middle of November could be cold in Georgia. Um, wow, the course will be beautiful though, because it'll be good and green then. Uh, the overseed will work and you won't have, I mean, it'll be just as green as it always is. And then you'll have the brown and the yellow leaves, man. Oh, that's That's going to be so awesome. Uh, okay. So here's a stupid question. When is daylight savings in the winter? I have no idea. Let me Google it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought that was something I was. November 3rd. Wow. So they're going to have to play See? early tees. See, so, but does that mean we buy that? Oh, that was 2019 though. Um, November 1st this year. Um, no, I mean, you just play early tees. And the field is small to begin with, don't forget. Uh, there's only 93 guys in the field this year. And you could probably, in the first two rounds, start on 1-10 and 10, and then just have really early tee times on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they definitely... I mean, if, if the leaders tees. tee off at 10, they're fine. You know, it, it, that's plenty of time. But by then, that's a half the field. Like, they've cut it. I'm just thinking from a Thursday and Friday, even with the smaller field, like, most of the time, like you're still You have to do both tees. Yeah, I mean, it's not a U.S. Open or, or British Open type field where they're stretched to the limits all day, every day, Thursday and Friday. But to me, that still seems like a tight window. I know they could get it done. I guess I'm just pointing out it will be interesting to see how they get that done. Because once you factor in daylight savings and, you know, you're losing – you know, hours of sunlight, an hour of sunlight or whatever, and it getting dark at the five thirty, six o'clock range at the beginning of when you set the clocks back or whatever. Yeah, back. Like, it'll be interesting to see how they do that because that is definitely going to be a factor if you wait till November. But I guess my other question here would be, why do that? Uh, maybe it's the only possible date. They definitely know something that I don't know. But why not do it before daylight savings a couple weeks earlier in October? I have no idea. I really don't. Maybe maybe it's a, a course thing. It, it maybe the I don't know how overseeding works. I'm not a greenskeeper, but as far as I understand it, like the earlier in the fall, the less likely the course would look completely the way they want it to. And so putting it then would be easier for them to make the course look pristine. And that's maybe that's not even a factor, but that is what I understand to be true, but maybe it's wrong. Wow, Masters November 12th through 15th. Yeah. Man, how cool is that going to be, though? Honestly, how, how awesome. And I, I guess your job is different than mine. I, Saturday is the extra day you work. Sunday is the extra day I work. But having football on one TV and the Masters on the other, that's, that's a dream. U.S. Open September 15th through 14th through 20th. Interesting. And so a complete not non sequitur, but something that we were talking about earlier. So this is from the, the Greenville News in South Carolina, like the newspaper there owned by Gannett. Their headline just now, new data predicts South Carolina's peak on April 24th. And the lines they're showing are significantly lower than the original data projection. Well, that seems like good news. 
Yeah. So, I mean, in I, I was talking to my wife this morning, and maybe this is it's happening this way because the social distancing stuff's actually working, you know? I mean, it's not like this just randomly was like, hey, we're going to stop infecting you now. Like, maybe the stuff we're doing is actually working, and the previous models were based on our current situation and our current, uh, I guess, human trends on how we were interacting with each other. And now that everything's shutting down, we're actually seeing some forward movement. I don't know, but either way, that's that's the headline in... Um, the, uh, an official newspaper so for whatever it's worth to you yeah i mean stay at home assholes i want this golf schedule to work out so uh let's keep, let's keep, let's keep doing what we're doing <laughs> but uh anyway i uh yeah i, I this would be sweet like i mean I, I would be down you know one of my favorite things as a kid was like tailgating for the there was nothing cooler to me i don't know why i found this incredibly appeasing but like early mid-september if you're like out watching football or tailgating for a football game or whatever you're doing outside in september in the south uh having that while you're tailgating then being able to flip over to most of the time it was the fedex cup playoffs or the Ryder cup or something like that and having some like fallish golf something about that is appeasing to me and now you're gonna have not one but two major championships in a two-month period if this is able to work during that time uh obviously i would like to have the normal sports calendar like, like please put me back like put, put me back to normal after this but as a one-time one-off deal uh, uh yeah sign me up i'm i'm completely cool with this masters ha- has only not comp- uh, finished in april one other time and that was 1934 wow and that was the last week of march 1934. I wonder why it was. Then. I wonder what was the reason behind was, but reason behind it not having it then back then was. It's earlier, which it makes it even weirder. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's a that's a pretty wild uh, news nugget there from the PGA Tour, or I guess golf just in general. It's not just the PGA Tour. A lot of USGA, a lot of governing bodies here. But uh, that's at least giving people some like that gives me some hope that you know maybe this isn't. I'm not going to say this isn't going to be so bad. This isn't going to last forever because I felt like I'd almost brainwashed myself into into believing this indeed was going to last forever uh, uh, here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, this Statement whole like, from the chairman of Augusta National. We've identified November 9th through 15th as the intended dates to host the 2020 Masters. We hope the anticipation of staging the tournament brings a moment of joy to the Augusta community and those who love the game. So, yeah, man, that, that's official as, as you can get right there. Hell, yeah, it does. What's that guy's name, Fred? Is that right? Fredley's his last name. I know that. Um, uh, let's see. They're using the appropriate – yeah, Fred Ridley. Yeah, that's what I thought. Appreciate that, Fred. Uh, so, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about this. And what sucks – like, I'm not complaining here, though – what stinks about that is, is like, like, like well, I guess next year it would go back to April, right? Like, uh, for from us, from yeah, a they, show they perspective, would reset next year no matter what. I'm not complaining by any means because after we get done, you know, ranking where we are going to go when this is back to normal and all that on the airwaves, I'm cool with anything. But what's going to kind of stink is it's going to be hard to adequately cover all this stuff at one time. I mean, I, I'm up for the challenge. I'm not like I'm not complaining, but this is going to be almost like information overload in terms of the radio show in the fall. Is it and, not? and explain this to me. That's a really good point because you've seen, you saw it with iHeart, you saw it with Intercom, specifically the radio business, and it's big corporate radio, so you know they're not being run uh, particularly well, but. You see newspapers and media companies, Sports Illustrated, all these people are firing employees. Like Gannett is issuing furloughs, and furloughs suck because it means you have a job, but you don't get paid for it. They literally tell you not to do your job. Like that's weird, but at least you know when this ends, your job is still there. So why are all these, Intercom in particular, firing a bunch of people when in a few months – you will need more sports personalities than ever before. So why are you firing them? If you can't afford to pay them, furlough them. It sucks, but at least you can bring them back when things get normal. What are you going to do when everything comes back? Are you going to not adequately cover it and have a bad product? 
are we going to try to go through the hiring process again? I, it, that well, I, doesn't I think, make yeah, sense to me. I think the second part is the answer. I don't really understand it either, but I'm not like like I'm not in, obviously not, not in a position to understand the the uh, short and long term budgets of huge companies and corporations like that. Obviously, Gannett not a very efficiently run place. Uh, I don't know a ton about Intercom, but yeah, I mean I agree. Intercom I mean, but is that, Gannett for radio. Isn't that just yeah? Isn't that just kind of part of it though? Like I mean, seems like in this industry that's just kind of what happens when times are good. People like when times are bad, people get laid off. Like times are good, they rehire. Like just seems to be an endless cycle. It's it's, it's kind of why the journalism industry or media industry as a whole is not for the faint of heart. I would I would say particularly uh, particularly newspapers the last two decades. But yeah, it sucks. I, I don't fully understand it either, but it it sucks. We, we've got a four-man sports team, and when sports come back, that will not be enough. And we're in Mississippi. Yeah, I think they should hire someone else to cover Ole Miss, and I'll handle the golf in the fall. <laughs> well, I wonder what this means for the Sanderson Farm. Because if the Sanderson Farm gets to keep their date, the field's going to be awesome because you're, you're going to have guys that are going to want to play in these majors and you know stay sharp, right? Or, or, or am I overthinking that? No, 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 you're not wrong per se. Or no, definitely dudes that want to I mean, stay sharp. they're not sharp. getting like Tiger or anything, but... No, but in terms of... Well, they might get... I mean, in terms of the tune-up in like a month out, you're right. There'll be more guys more inclined to play. I mean, you're definitely right about that. I think there'll be more guys, top players, inclined to play in the month leading up to the Masters because a lot of these guys, particularly the ones that can pick their schedules... Uh, like that's kind of how they prepare for majors. They do it two, three weeks out. They play a course they like, of course, something like, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, it's, I think it's the Houston open and one or two others in the weeks leading up to the masters. And they get a lot of quality guys because they're trying to tune up for the masters. But I was just going to say on the other end of that, the, 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 the money for like, like the winning and the perks that come with winning the Sanders and farms would be to the next masters though. Like, yeah. not this no November one. It would be the April one or whatever it is when we get back to normal. But, yes, as far as dudes wanting to play and tune up, I think that's certainly a possibility. And the so, field was good last year. Better, I mean, better than it's been. So, if you can just add it a was few the best ever. on top of that. It, it was the best ever. I mean, last year was the first time it was a standalone event. You got a master's exemptions and a full-fledged, like, uh, uh, allotment of FedEx Cup points. I mean, that, it was the biggest the tournament's ever been. Like, last year was... I hope it's not the peak. I hope it keeps getting bigger and better. But last year, to this point, to that point, was the peak of the Sanderson. Like that's the biggest the tournament's ever been. Yeah. So, good news for them. Yeah, very good news. I just I, I appreciate even if this doesn't happen. I mean, that's the thing here. That's what that's what I can't quite figure out. I talked about it a lot yesterday. Is even if this doesn't happen, what is wrong with hoping that it does and talking about man? Augusta in the fall would be really cool. Like, yes, it's a one-off, but that's exciting as hell to get to see the Masters in the fall. It just unique, something that nobody's ever done before until now. I mean, how cool would that be? That doesn't mean you don't understand that it's not like that. It's possible that it doesn't happen. That doesn't mean that you are being an idiot. I mean, we've said it a few times on this podcast before. For some reason optimism and positive energy has turned into exclusively stupid. And if you're miserable and negative, you're the smart one. You're the enlightened and educated one. And there's no in between. Like, why is it impossible for me to say, I understand that it's possible. We don't get football this fall, that we don't get anything. I understand that. Also seeing some of these charts is, is, is exciting I know we've got really smart people working on this, like Bill Gates is funding seven factories that are working on vaccines right now. And I'm optimistic that we get sports back, and I'm looking forward to the day that, that we do. Why can all those things not be held by the same person? It's just mind-blowing. I think all this is just making us all go crazy. Because, I mean, even me, just a normal average Joe, like sitting in my house this whole time has just made me feel like this stuff is never going to end. And it's only been like three weeks, so I feel like that just has people inclined to be like, "Yo, we're never like we're never leaving our houses again. This is awful." Because at a certain point, like as much as like sports and everything drives like, I mean, economy, whatever you want to call it, the sports is a huge part of American culture. 
Like, at a certain point, there's going to be enough people that get fed up with sitting in their houses for the last three months and be like, all right, let's figure out a way to start this back up. Like, that's what I always figured would be the case, obviously, barring some sort of just complete public, like, like not completely flying in the face of public health, obviously, but you kind of get what I'm saying. I just, I don't know. I think at certain points, this stuff is just bogged down people, just bogged down people so much that I think it's just kind of easy for uh for the negativity to kind of steep through. But I've kind of been the same way the whole time. I'm like, hell, I don't know. Could we not have a football season? Sure, I guess that's a possibility. Could this all be fine by July? Sure, I guess. I'm just kind of held my hand up and been like, I don't know. I'm just hoping for the best as opposed to the worst. Yeah, same here. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you stupid. It just makes you um, not miserable in your own miserable life. But anyway. And that's also another thing. It's kind of the same attitude I have on like politics or whatever. I'm like trying to watch the news in doses and at least stay informed on what's happening in terms of like infection rate, the curve and all that stuff. But like, <laughs> even if I do kind of have a formulated opinion on what this is, how bad it is and what's it going to be, what is me putting it out on Twitter do like that? I've never seen a Facebook post that's changed anyone's political opinions to be like, <laughs> you know, Gary from high school, thank you. I'll definitely be, keep that in mind when I'm at the ballot box. Like, I don't understand having to share your opinions about that and, like, how, like, what does that accomplish? I, that's, like, no one wants to hear what I have to say, like, to think on the coronavirus. Literally no one. I imagine people listening to this podcast right now might be pressing the skip button. Like, who gives a shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, people <laughs> sharing their opinions on a global pandemic without having some sort of medical degree, like, you're all full of crap. I don't want to hear it from any of you. Yeah. Yeah, true. But we are in the opinion business, you know. Yeah, I, I get that. But, like, can I save that for, uh, like, for example, Skip Bayless? Uh, fire tweet today. I can't believe I'm missing first take while recording this. Who would win in a horse game, Jordan or LeBron? I would rather opine on that than uh, actual stuff that matters in terms of people's health. Which, by the way, all-timer from Skip Bayless. Uh, <laughs> next, I'm going to have to go back and catch that segment. Next on Undisputed <laughs> this would be an all-timer. Who would win a game of horse, Jordan or LeBron? I bet this was fantastic television. Man, I I can't figure out who watches that shit. I I understand that there is a market for hot take guy. I, I understand more intimately. There's more than a market. There's the ones making all the money in our industry. Uh, as crappy as it is. Yeah, like I, I've have an intimate knowledge of what some people in this business are looking for in their personalities. And it's not genuine. It's just whatever will get people pissed off the most. And I think it's garbage. So when you see I, who's watching undisputed, their ratings numbers aren't good, by the way, they they get like a hundred thousand people watching. And I imagine half of that is from sport clips. Um, but they still make so much money. So you would think, that maybe that's what I need to do to get by. But then also there's like Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen out there. So maybe there's still a market for normal sports media. They're just not uh, yelling at each other on ESPN every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's in the same vein as like how reality TV sells. Like it's like, this is crappy television, but I can't take my eyes off of it. It's I mean, kind of type of thing. Because whenever Skip Bayless and, scream at each other about who would win in a game of horse between Jordan and LeBron, who wants to hear that? I'm not turning it on, but like I, I will admit, if I'm ever at a public place and they have those things on, like you know, like a, a, a haircut place or like a tire shop or something, and they've got like the sports thing on, I it, it does entertain me because it's just so laughably ridiculous. I mean, you've got Skip Bayless who's like 67 years old wearing a gold chain with his name on it. And some kind of shoes that were definitely made after he was 50 years old, uh, <laughs> like arguing with Shannon Sharp about whether the Cowboys should pay Dak or not. I mean, the whole thing—it's just like a circus. It's, it's, it's. I guess it's fascinating in its own way, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it either. Uh, but I'm gonna look at, by the way, um, just content on the fly here. The college football games Masters weekend. So we don't have the NFL yet. Uh, that schedule will come out uh, here in a couple weeks. What uh, what week do you think that is? Twelve? No. For college no, it'd football, be week eleven. All right, week eleven college football games. Thursday, nothing good on Thursday night. Uh, East Carolina at Cincinnati, no thanks. Friday, Arizona. Well, that's Friday night, so it doesn't matter. Uh, your Saturday slate: Clemson plays the Citadel. Um. 
Uh, is this the November bye weeks? UT Martin at Alabama. Damn it, that's exactly what this is. Maybe that's why they. No, that's not why they. Ole did it. Miss at Arkansas. UMass at Auburn. You have Missouri, Florida, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, Mississippi State, Kentucky, South Carolina, LSU. So this is a pretty decent weekend. Yeah, I guess it's not. I, the, the way you led me down initially with the Citadel and UMass, I thought it was that SEC bye thing with Alabama playing UT Martin. But yeah, particularly those uh, those last three games, State, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, and Missouri, Florida. This? Missouri, Florida. And what, South Carolina, LSU. Those are yeah. four good Solid football games that weekend. Absolutely, and then you have the Masters going on uh, throughout all of it. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm here for that. That's a uh, that's a good weekend in the SEC towards the end of the season. Um, so, looking and forward look to that. Look out, Ohio State's at Maryland. So, upset city. Yeah, that uh, that uh, they had that. No, there was Penn State Maryland this past year. That was a standalone game after Maryland started three and zero, and then I think Penn State won by fifty points. You remember that? That was a Friday night game, if I'm not mistaking. Yeah, that was sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was like the biggest. Right, game that was like the biggest game in the history of the program. <laughs> yeah, just, it was twenty-one nothing like six minutes in, but uh. Yeah, so that's uh, interesting stuff. Have we missed anything? I'm trying to go through it. I had like the little rundown. I don't think so. At the end, I was going to get to just the craziness in Starkville, but we kind of got to that early on. Yeah, um, just the the conference call with the president and the commissioners. I know a lot of people made fun of it. And, man, I I am – a lot of this is bothering me. Maybe I should be hot take guy because I can really get angry at some of these things. The people that were mocking and – Using why Donald Trump talking to sports leagues, he, he just doesn't get it. He's not taking the coronavirus seriously. This is ridiculous. It's like, do you people understand what college and professional sports do economically to the whole country? He's not just wanting to get sports back because he likes football. No, he's talking to commissioners because there are billions and billions and billions of dollars tied up and do sports happening in this country on top of the morale boost. So him talking to the billionaire owner or commissioners of multi-billion dollar leagues is completely sensical. He's talking to every industry, auto, oil and gas, everything. The amount of people and the amount of money that is tied up in sports is astronomical. And using that as like an anti, oh, this is so stupid, who cares about sports, is just coming from someone who simply just does not get it. Yeah, I mean, I just that's exactly what I looked at it. In, and I mean, that's exactly what it was in terms of when I saw the meeting. It's like, well, one, like this is a huge economic driver. And two, like, which one's more valuable at this point? The economic, I mean, this, this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek question. Obviously, the economic value of having sports back would help immensely. But just like, I don't think you can undervalue the morale boost for the country. Uh, it just in general of having some sense of normalcy in that bag. I think that is immensely more valuable than maybe you would initially think on the surface. But yeah, at least we're talking about this instead of more cancellations. Uh, so maybe we've turned a little bit of a corner. Hell, I don't know. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, and maybe we have. Uh, I just uh, I I would be shocked if the people at Augusta National would set a date unless they knew that they could pull it off because they weren't going to get their event canceled twice. I just don't believe that they would allow that to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it at least it seems to the narrative a little bit seems to be taking a turn for the better, which I am all here for. I think uh, I think that's about all we had today. We were going to do the – I was initially – we were going to do the – the best favorite sports venues, but we can save that for Wednesday because we ended up having a bunch of news over the weekend, which is good. So maybe we'll do that on Wednesday. I'll finally, now that uh, I've gotten through the Tiger King uh, thing, I will uh, watch the scheme and we can discuss that as well and why Will Wade is and how Will Wade is still the coach at LSU. But uh, I think that's about all we got for today, unless I missed anything. I don't think so, man. I'm looking through my saved tweets, and I mean, crazy stuff going on in Starkville right now. Um, PGA Tour schedule. Um, Ole Miss gets a commit. You've got that um, Saints-Falcons replay game tonight. 
Oh, is that the uh, is that the uh, Gleason game? Yeah, the rebirth game is what they're calling it. That's pretty cool. I'll probably watch that. What the hell else am I gonna do? But seriously, I, I mean, I'm what? not a big game. Like, I, I can't watch replayed games, man. I try. I really do. It's just I, I can't get into it. Tonight's a little bit different, though. And yeah, it's I, I wasn't to have a fan a back then. Aspect like that, right? And I, I wasn't a fan back then. I. I don't have one of those good how did you become a fan stories. Like most people are like, oh, my dad took me to a game when I was a kid and like I got to shake the hand of this player and I was locked in ever since. It's like, no, when I found out I was moving to Mississippi full time, I had a couple of buddies that lived here and they were Saints fans. And so I just kind of, okay, I'll be one too. And so I adopted the basketball team at the same time. Like that's my story. So I wasn't one then, but since becoming one, I've like grown to really understand how important that game was. So I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah, I'll definitely probably turn that on tonight. That's a uh, I've, I was like just young enough to kind of I remember that game, and I actually remember watching that game at my house on a school night one night. But I didn't know, obviously, was not fully aware at seven, eight years old, whatever I was, the significance. I don't. I'm not even sure in the moment that when that play happened and and all that 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 even Gleason or really anyone attending probably knew the full significance of what that moment would turn out to be. But uh, what a scene that was that night. Is that when you still had? Is, did you still have Mike Patrick calling Monday Night Football then, or did I make it that? It was Tariko on the call. Okay, ESP, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, so it was Mike Patrick. Was that a Sunday or Monday Night game? It was a Monday Night game. Okay, um, so yeah, got that on tonight. Borky and I will be on the radio three to six Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll have plenty to discuss from the weekend. Thankfully, uh, a bunch of news out of Starkville. Probably get into a bunch of this uh, scheduling and maybe a uh, light at the the end of the tunnel seems to be the phrase i think the president has tweeted that in all caps a couple of times so that's the phrase we'll go with <laughs> as well uh in terms of uh the number shifting and us maybe kind of seeing at least a uh vague blueprint of what the sports calendar may look like this fall and when we may get some sports back but anyway i'll remind you one more time go see greg university avenue across from kroger Oh, allergy season. I just sneezed. Uh, LB's Meat Market. It's no better time to support local businesses. Go see Greg. He'll hook you up. We've had so many good weather days in a row around here in Oxford. Uh, I grilled Saturday night from some stuff we already had in the freezer. It's perfect uh, grilling weather. Go see him. He'll help you out. He's got the Lane Train Special, Keith Carter Special, if you're trying to feed your family quickly uh, on your way home from work. He's got some ready-made meals that are easy to heat up, and they are fantastic. I had the meatloaf the other weekend. I would definitely recommend that. He's got sausages, all kinds of stuff, grill packs. Go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Borky and I will be back at it on Wednesday. If you're listening to this and want to send us your favorite sports venues, Borky and I will make a list of, I don't know, four or five, something like that that we've been to that we like and just see where it goes from there. But, uh, Borky, I'll catch you this afternoon. All right, man. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.